0: This series that we just began a few weeks ago is about questions that Jesus asked. Very key questions, and we learn from good questions as we dig into it and ponder. And and, and sometimes there are questions that don't have an answer, or maybe not as complete of an answer as our rational minds often demand. So we've already looked at who do you say that I am, a very important question for all of us personally that he asked. His disciples, which Peter answered last week, "Why are you so afraid?" And this is when Jesus was um, on the boat and was was asleep, and they woke him up, and he calmed the storm. And today, this question: Do you see this woman? If you're used to using the outlines and I have you fill in the blanks, I'm not doing it that way today intentionally. As you'll see, there's a bunch of questions that you can ponder now and think about. You can take home if you like and think about it some more and dig into the scriptures that much more, which I always encourage you to do. This story today takes place in the home of a Pharisee. Now, first of all, something about I, I found A fairly good rendition of of this story and what it might have looked like. Put yourself into the, what we'd call now, the dining room of this home. Because it was a Pharisee, it was probably a better than average home. Not that all the Pharisees were rich, but they were usually, we might even call them today, maybe upper middle class, you know, better than average kind of home. And because of that, they were able to have a larger home, which is no different today. Usually people who have the biggest homes have the largest income to be able to afford those homes. So they're able to invite numerous guests to their home. And the Pharisee did that. Now, in this home, there would be a table, of course, for all the food, but it wouldn't be the way we would think of it now. The table sits much lower. And so it says here that Jesus was reclining at the table. That just means there's cushions around the table. You sit down and you sort of have your feet behind you and you you lean and you, it doesn't sound very comfortable to me, but (laughs) that was the way they would serve, especially, you know, something very special like this. So it it was a dinner that Jesus was invited to. Now, one other thing to keep in mind is when there was a dinner happening and We'll call it a banquet, word would spread in the local community because the servants of the Pharisee or his wife or whoever was buying the food would go to the market. And then, oh, you're getting all this food. Why? Well, because we're having a dinner. Oh, who's coming? Jesus is coming. And that's a, that would be a reasonable conclusion to make. That's how word would spread. You know, they, they you know, didn't put something on Facebook and say, Jesus is coming tonight. So they just would get word in different ways about what was happening in the community. So one of the things that took place in an average dinner or banquet for anyone was that as people knew that there was a banquet happening, the poor people would gather near that home. And this was standard or somewhat expected even. So no one was going to be offended, including the Pharisee, that there was going to be some poor people nearby. Now they knew their place. So the, those at the table in the dinner, the banquet, were the invited guests only. And there was a, a seating order also. And, and it, was, it was very significant of where your assigned seat was in relation to the host of the banquet and and Jesus talks about that in some of his teaching and his parables. Then there was also, as you see here, there was people standing on the perimeter in the room. They may have been others that were welcome to come. They may have been friends or associates, family of the invited guests who got to sit at the table And in this case, Jesus' disciples, other Pharisees who may have been curious about Jesus. And also, if they were allowed in at the door, sometimes they were, sometimes they were held back, some of those poor people. The reason the poor people came is they're going to put out a pretty nice nice spread of food. And they're not going to eat it all. And so when the meal was done, they would basically... Pass the leftovers, out to the poor people. It may have even been outside the door after the meal, out back, something like that. But there was an expectation, especially among people who were supposedly followers of God and his ways to take care of the poor. So here's a Pharisee. So when you bought food, you didn't just buy enough for the 15 people at the table or the 20 people, whoever it was. You would buy extra knowing that you would be able to give some out at the end, which would make you look better. Look how generous this Pharisee is because of all the food he provided for his guests, and then he shared that with the poor. That was the way these dinners functioned. So keep that in mind as we, we see this story. So the next, my first question on the list is why Would Jesus even accept such an invitation? This is a Pharisee. From the time Jesus began to teach and preach and do miracles, he was usually at odds with the teachers of the law and the Pharisees and the Sadducees, all of the different sects of religious leaders that were prominent, that held control in and around Jerusalem especially, but throughout Israel. Jesus was willing to go to them because Jesus saw the person. He didn't see the label on them. And that's an important aspect of this whole story today. He was willing to speak with a Pharisee named Nicodemus. He, um, there was other... Times in in the Gospels we see where some of the Pharisees became followers of Jesus. It's kind of hidden in plain sight in the Scriptures because when you first think of the Pharisees, you think of those that angrily opposed Jesus to the point of wanting to put him to death and accusing him of being a blasphemer and in league with Satan and a, a Samaritan and just any way they could insult him, they did. It's no different today than it was then that our, our instincts, our human instincts, and this is not a good part of our humanity, is to lump people into categories. Oh, he's a Pharisee. All Pharisees are like that, and then assume and presume upon them. So why did Jesus accept this invitation from one of those people? Because he saw the person, not the problem. He saw them as, he's, it was a kindness extended to him. Even if the Pharisee had ulterior motives for bringing Jesus to his home, you don't just invite anyone to sit down and eat with you. And so it was a noble act, at least on the surface, for this Pharisee to invite Jesus, and Jesus accepted. Jesus was known and accused by these very Pharisees quite often of just associating with all the downtrodden people and all those sinners out there and the drunks and the prostitutes and, and the lepers and... So now Jesus is also willing to associate with someone who invited him, so that 's also why he accepted this invitation so So, who was in the room? I mentioned some of those, probably other Pharisees the the apostles were there the, the disciples there was other people from the community and so this was probably a, a fairly full room and When Jesus spoke, people people stopped and listened very carefully. Many of them came to hear Jesus as well. They've heard about him, and they know he's going to be there, so what does he have to say? What does he have to teach? Then this sinful woman comes in. She was obviously known within that local community as, it doesn't identify exactly what it was, but possibly a prostitute, someone with a bad reputation at the very least. And so this woman, now now think about what she had to go through to get to the feet of Jesus and pour all this perfume all over his feet. She had to overcome social barriers because of people that shun her and look the other way, especially when you're, you know, I'm going to assume it's a safe assumption that she had never been in this man's house before. This Pharisee, or any other Pharisee most likely. So she wouldn't be welcomed there. She had to get past people who were around what was a crowded home. There may have been people outside the windows trying to listen and peer in to see what they could see and hear what they could hear. And here comes this woman trying to work her way in. What did she go through that day, that week, that month, at whatever point she thought of, if I could just get to Jesus, I want to show him how much I love him. So it doesn't tell us what happened or when it happened. Was it from Jesus preaching in that very town? Was it from a miracle that she witnessed that a friend of hers or a loved one we we don't know her her backstory we just know that as far as the community goes she's labeled as someone who is sinful and shouldn't be there but she motivated by love worked her way through got past the insults and the and and the elbows and the shoulders that may have been preventing her from coming in and she got in there and she got to Jesus' feet and poured this perfume and which was a way of of, of showing, showing honor. Did Simon see this woman? Jesus realized that he could probably see the displeasure of this woman's presence in his home. On Simon's face. Simon is the name of the Pharisee. Not to be confused with Simon Peter. And Jesus understood that he didn't. Welcome her. But he didn't say it. But there she is. Washing his feet with expensive perfume. It was her way. Of expressing love. It was the best thing she had to offer perhaps. It was somehow I have to show this. Do you see this woman, Simon? What did Simon see? A problem. A person that he avoids. A person that he speaks out against on a regular basis. Or people like her. Did he know her? Did he know her story? Did he ever bother to ask and find out? It's much easier to slap a label on her and say... Well, look at what she's done. She's among those people, those sinners, and she is rightly shunned by everyone, including me, and I'm going to set that example. He didn't see her. He saw a problem. Then as Jesus talks about this, he said, you know, I got here, and you didn't even wash my feet. And that kind of begs the question, was Jesus was invited to the banquet, of course, but was he really welcomed? There are certain welcoming expectations, uh, rituals, uh, practices that you would do when a guest arrives. And even to this day, someone comes to your home, especially this time of year, Hi, come on in. Can I take your coat? Please sit down. You want anything to drink? You you do that. Those are are expectations of, of a host for guests in your home. If you were hosting a dinner, you would wash the guests' feet because feet get dirty. And especially if it is a nicer home, you didn't want dirt tracked all over your house. So that was another reason for for yourself to wash feet perhaps, but this man apparently didn't bother to have Jesus welcomed to that extent. So he was invited, but was, was he really welcomed? But here this woman is taking expensive perfume and, and washing his feet. And then it says this, that Jesus acknowledged her, her great love. Let's go back to that verse in 42, excuse me, 47. Therefore, I tell you, because of what she's done for him, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little loves little. So that brief little parable he told in response to Simon's displeasure with that woman being in his house about someone owed a lot of money versus a little bit and they're both, the debt is forgiven, which one is more thankful? Which one is going to really show love to the, the one who forgave the debt? And Simon said, well, I suppose the one who owes more. Here comes this Quote, sinful woman, and she's been forgiven. Jesus says there, now look at that again. Her sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown. So the next question is, when was she forgiven? It almost seems like it already happened. She had already experienced something from Jesus that changed her so much that she took the most expensive thing in her home and wanted to to honor him in some way. Was it the best way, the most appropriate way? Sure it was because it came from her heart. I've been thinking about this a lot just in recent days and yesterday as I I went up to visit my daughter in upstate New York yesterday, and um, Friday night and yesterday, and as we were driving up, Linda and I were talking about um, how hard it is to love people, and and there's just been some challenges in our lives recently. But and I said, yeah, sometimes I'm pretty hard to love too. Expression of love in our lives is rarely ideal. It can be sometimes messy, but it's still love, and it's still needed. So we see another story where there was a woman that anointed Jesus' feet with oil just before he would go to the cross. But other than that, we don't see this. It doesn't tell us anywhere in the law of Moses as these people would be wanting to follow through and and obey the laws that the best way to show love for God or his servant is to pour oil or perfume on his feet. No, that doesn't say that. Okay, so she's not following the rules. Let's put it that way. And yet, what Jesus sees is not Wasteful spending, as Judas pointed out in another, this same story being retold in one of the other Gospels. What Jesus sees is a person who is showing her love and a person who is showing gratitude for being forgiven. And he accepts it. As I was preparing for this, it occurred to me, where else do we see something similar in in all of Jesus' many encounters that are recorded in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John with people? Where else do we see Jesus acknowledging love? And notice here it says, great love. Well, the, the answer is, I couldn't find any. Jesus, of course, spoke and taught to great, at great length about about how to love and what love is and what love isn't and, 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 and encourages love and, and people... Um, you know he, he says how much he loved people, but specifically saying identifying a person as expressing great love to Jesus. We have many times there's faith in Jesus and that's important too of course, but that's this story stands on its own and it's not just love, it's great love so this woman so determined to get to his feet to say in effect, thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for your love to me. I love you. That's what that's what this was saying. It was the indicator to Jesus that he was forgiven. It was that love, that he already that she already embraced. And then, so so, why did Jesus go on to say to her then, "Your sins are forgiven"? Because when it says there in forty seven. It's past tense. Her many sins have been forgiven, according to her faith, which we you know, which is the last verse of this t- of this particular story. So, why does Jesus go on to say your sins are forgiven? Because we need that affirmation from God. The cross of Jesus Christ the death of the Son of God on that cross, the suffering He experienced, the the pathway into death that He went willingly for everyone. For all of us sitting here today, it is past tense. We are forgiven. But we need to acknowledge it, accept it, believe it that's the most important thing believe that it's true believe that it matters believe believe that 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 applies to me in my life it's all ready to go it's right there just turn and receive what's already happened for you and this woman had already done that And even though this is before Jesus went to the cross which is interesting One of the reasons I chose the passages from the Psalms today about forgiveness is to to show that that God has always been about forgiveness. um, Depending upon which particular theological road you want to follow, there are some who would say, well, forgiveness didn't happen for anybody until Jesus died on the cross. And yet, God's always been about forgiveness. It talks about that in the Psalms. David experienced that himself for his great sin and great sins. He was indeed forgiven. So, And, and, and this woman here, and well, you might say, okay, because David went and... Um, He went to the temple, and there was a sacrifice offered on behalf of his sins, so the blood of the lamb was given, and now he's forgiven, which was only temporary looking forward to the time Jesus would come and die. Now, I'm not saying all that isn't true or helpful or important, but what I'm saying is God has always been about forgiveness. There's nothing here that says that this woman first went to the temple, offered a sacrifice, her sins are forgiven. Now, technically, there's been blood spent on her behalf, and now she's okay with God. Nope. Jesus just acknowledges her love. The way to God is much more open than our theologies make it. And yes, Jesus is the center. Yes, he did indeed have to die. Yes, he was the ultimate and final sacrifice for all of us, and his blood mattered. But having access to that gift is much more open, I believe, Then quite often we make it. And it may not look like the way that we teach. I mentioned about the the youth from from the Bushkill Church that accepted Jesus last night. I wasn't there. I'm going to assume there was some sort of invitation given for a moment to to pray, to raise your hand, to come forward. I I wasn't there to know exactly how it happened. That's a good thing, it's an acknowledgement that. Yes, this forgiveness is for me too. And I'm going to pray for those young lives and and lead them further along in in what they began last night. But that's not the only way it happens. Sometimes it happens from a broken woman who can't think of anything better to do but to take take the most expensive thing she has and make a big mess in a scene in the home of a Pharisee. And Jesus says, wow, look. Look at her great love. Isn't that awesome? And then Jesus wraps this up with the words in verse 50. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. He says the same thing when people have been healed. It was your faith that healed you. And this is important and, and, and here specifically about about forgiveness it is understanding that we have the opportunity right now within us you don't have to go somewhere and do something else to access what God has already given to us in Christ it is always a prayer of faith away it is always there for us to acknowledge once again that we are indeed forgiven. And that's the encouraging words when Jesus said to her, Your sins are forgiven. Not that they weren't forgiven before he said that, but a reminder that, yes, this, you, you are forgiven is your faith. And here, going back to the to theology, all right, so she did this before his death on the cross. So in effect, God is looking ahead to what Jesus was going to do and forgave her, just like he did anyone else born before the cross. And then everyone after we look back, and that's why the cross is the center of all human history. And, and those are good ways of describing it, but I don't want to get lost in the technicality of it because then we develop systems that say, here's how you have to do it. Now, I think God knows the heart. He knew the heart of a broken woman who was just thankful and expressed that to him. And so what is the connection between love, forgiveness and faith? Love and forgiveness are are so vital, not just between us and God, but between us and our spouse, our mother, our child, our brother, our sister, our friend. Anyone, when, if we say or believe that we love someone, but at any point refuse forgiveness, refuse to extend forgiveness, or sometimes refuse to receive forgiveness, then we are kind of shutting down what love is all about. If love isn't applied in forgiveness, then love's pretty empty. Because we are all broken. We are all in need of a change. Of of a better way to be. And that being is expressed to us in Jesus as the ultimate sacrifice of giving himself for us. And then we can follow in that by dying to ourselves. And then give for the sake of, of the other. And sometimes that doesn't feel good at, at first, <laughs> because the human nature wants us to get even. The human nature feels a right to be angry, or to just slap the label on, keep them in that group, and shun them indefinitely. That's what Simon would have been quite satisfied to do with that woman until Jesus came into his home and acknowledged her love and, and her forgiveness or the fact that she was forgiven. So when are, when you are disturbed by someone, bothered by someone, offended by someone, any other human being, ask yourself this question. Do I see a problem or a person? Seeing the problem is easy. Now it can still be hurtful and and and, and troubling and you know, and there's a certain level where we have to always, always protect ourselves. You don't necessarily have to enter into a conversation, let alone a relationship with that individual who is bothering you, disturbing you, offending you. But at the heart level, are you willing to think, you know, he or she is that way for a reason? And probably many reasons. And, and just the willingness to start considering that. Because then you are beginning to see the person and not seeing the person as just a problem. And and, and that is an ongoing challenge for us, isn't it? In a world that just loves to divide and to put people into those boxes and segments and, and keep them there, that's easy. But to have the willingness and when the opportunity comes, the time to, to sit and to listen and to consider and to find out their story, then the sinful woman becomes a woman with a name and a story. And this is one of many people in scripture. I, I, I wish the scripture writers would have given us their name. I'd like to say her name was Martha or <laughs> whoever, you know. But It's a person, and they matter to God because they too were created in His image and are image bearers of God, broken as they are. And they need to know that forgiveness has happened for them too. But if they don't see love in the people who are claiming and singing about how grateful we are that we're forgiven, then what hope do they have? They need to see love and forgiveness in action in us so they can begin to receive it in themselves. That's how we can see people. Let's pray. Jesus, may we be found faithful in seeing people for who they are, to learn about them, and to love them there as hard as it may be, to see them as you see them. Amen.